I'm calling this sermon today obedience or bust because that's really what he says to them. Follow and obey or it's not going to work out for you in this new land. I've promised you, I'm giving it to you, but it's contingent upon your faith and your obedience. Obedience to God's word matters. We need to know that as believers. My son Aaron, who's 25 now, was about one year old in our living room in Kaiser, Oregon. And he had his hands all over the television. And I said to him, Aaron, son, you can't put your hands on the television. You you have to keep your hands off. And he understood very well. And I turned away for about 10 seconds. And when I looked back, he had his foot on the TV looking at me like this. Why is it that we always test the parameters? Remember that the enemy said to Eve in, in the Bible, has God really said? And The enemy will put those thoughts in us that when it comes to the Word of God, well, God loves us and it's not really that important. Well, God loves you, but obedience is still important because He loves you and doesn't want you to get hurt. He wants you to be blessed. So let's talk about that. I see three things in this passage, and really it's one scripture that we're going over today, and it's one of my favorite scriptures. I don't know if that's fair to say or right to say that I have, you know, a favorite scripture, but... I, I, because they're all so great, right? And they're all the, the inspired Word of God. But this scripture has been deep in my heart for a long time since I was a young man, and I believe it's got, brought great blessing to my life. It's Joshua 1.8. My first point this morning is obeying God's Word brings wonderful results for our lives. That's really good to know. The positive side of it is when we follow in obedience, we get the very best results in life. Obedience to God's word, to God's truth. Here it is in Joshua 1.8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Let me stop for just a second and say, every day, obedience. Ready obedience to what the word of God is saying. So there's a given here that he wants us to read the Bible every day. God wants us in His Word every day. Not just listening to Pastor Stan preach the Word, but consuming that Word of God every day as we read it ourselves. And then He wants us to have a heart to obey what we read. And it says this, and this is a powerful line, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I want you to know that the prospering and succeeding is not just talking about your Christian walk with God. It's not just talking about when you're at church. It's talking about your family relationship. It means your business. It means all of life that when you follow the Word of God, you are prosperous and successful. Not just financially. That's a small piece of it. Holistically, God wants to bless your life and obedience to His Word. Knowing it, reading it, and obeying it is a big deal to Him. If Israel would place their faith in God, then He would promise to help them. That's what he said in this passage in chapter 1. Now the law, see, the the, the version I read said study this book of instruction, but most versions of the Bible and the ones you might have with you today say study this book of the law and meditate on it day and night. The the law the Scripture is referring to are the five books that were written before the book of Joshua. Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. But the first five we refer to as the Pentateuch, Pentateuch, rather, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses 
had written that word down, inspired by God to write it down in the Holy Scriptures. So they didn't have what we have today, the totality of the Old Testament and the New Testament. They had those five books. But God told them, I want you to follow and obey. In those five books are the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are still for today, by the way, even though they were written in the Old Testament. Jesus said that, that, that not one dot or, or comma uh, from, from God's commandments would be removed. And so he says they're still for today. But not, remember this about, about the law. There's, there, there's three aspects to, to the Word of God. There, there's the, the aspect of government in the Old Testament. Well, that doesn't really apply to us, so we'll see some governmental things. And, and then there's, there's the, uh, the aspect of, of the sacrifice or the ceremonial pieces that they used to do in the Old Testament uh, where they would sacrifice a lamb. And so that aspect is removed now because Jesus died for our sins. Uh, but the moral law of God in the Old Testament, morality, where uh, it's, it's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So some aspects of the Old Testament are fulfilled. We don't need to do their government structure that Israel did necessarily. God didn't command us, uh, you know, to do it just like a certain country did it then. We don't have to have the ceremonial aspects anymore because Jesus paid the price on the cross. But the moral aspects of the law don't change. And that's why the Ten Commandments are still in play today. This written word of God called the Pentateuch was to be their central authority as opposed to all other human ideas, tradition, and other religions. This principle is applicable to believers under both the Old and the New Covenants of the Bible. What I mean now is they had the Pentateuch, but now we have the full Word of God. But the same principle of obey and and walk in these truths and keep these truths close to your heart, God still wants us to have that value. We see it in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Now, let me stop and say that I'm not the kind of preacher that gets together in meetings like this and just wants to make everybody feel good. I like to be positive. I like it when you feel good. But that's not my call is to make people feel good. My call as a preacher of the, of the Word of God, is to put all His truth before you. And so sometimes, just like that Scripture says, God wants the preacher to bring out what is wrong in our lives, not just what is right. And some people say, but that's so negative. But, you know, God doesn't bring things forward that are wrong unless He's trying to correct it and protect us. And if we go the wrong way, we have major trouble. If we go His way, we have major blessing. So I think it's very positive to point out the wrong direction so people don't fail by going that way as well. The Bible says to the preacher to preach the whole counsel of God, not just, not just the part that makes your heart feel good, because you can feel very, I know the law, I, I know that legalism, it pounds like a club, it hurts people, it can wound people, and people can get carried away with that to the point where you can't even see Jesus anymore because they're so rules-oriented. But what I want people to know is that Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's the balance. That's the two wings of the airplane. I can't get two wings with this mic in my hand, so I have to do that. But which wing do you want? If you had to be on a plane, and you're going flying, and you had to get rid of which wing, which wing would you get rid of? Well, that is a dumb question, isn't it? Because you need them both, or it's not going to fly right, and you're going to crash and burn. And we need both grace and truth. Oh, we crash and burn. 
Grace is not devoid of truth. Truth is not devoid of grace. And the truth sets us free. The truth protects us. The truth blesses us. It goes on to say in 2 Timothy 3.16, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Joshua's strength and courage would come from not only believing God was going to do it and being courageous, but meditating on God's word, believing his promises, and obeying his precepts. Success would be given, God said, if that was true, and people would follow. So I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I haven't said that for many, many years now because it hasn't been safe. But they're, play, they're playing better these days. Uh, I, I have them in my heart, and I'd like to get them out. That's the way I feel about it because it just feels yucky. It, you know, I... I I was in Texas as a young boy at eight years old when Roger Staubach, this is where it all started for me, and Drew Pearson and Tom Landry were part of the Cowboys. Solid Christian guys. And in those days, uh, Roger Staubach, who led them, really loved the Lord. And, and so I bring you this story in the spirit of obedience today as we're talking about obeying God. I think there could be a parallel here for us. Roger Staubach, that quarterback, led the Dallas Cowboys to the world championship in 1971. And he admitted that his position as a quarterback um, who didn't call his own signals was a source of a trial for him. Coach Landry sent in every play. He told Roger when to pass and when to run. And only in extreme emergency situations could he call an audible and change the play. And as his coach said, you better get it right when you do. And it bothered Staubach. He considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind, but when it came to football strategy, Pride said to, to himself that he should be able to run his own team. But later, after winning the championship, this is what he said. I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Now, I want to extrapolate that from a coach who's pretty good at what he does and, and knows a better way than, than the players to our walk with God. How much more does God know than any man or woman on this earth, no matter how much knowledge they've accumulated? He's never wrong. He's always loving. He's there for you, and he shows you the way to go. And when we yield, we too will find that there's harmony in our lives and fulfillment and victory. James 1.22 says it this way. It's, it's in the New Testament clearly. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but not, does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. There's a promise for us that if we'll read it, believe it, get our feet going the right way, get ourselves in fellowship with people who, who, who can help us walk the right way, that when we do it, we will be blessed. Now, here's what I want to tell you uh, about. And by the way, I'm not talking about unbelievers today. I'm talking about believers obeying. I'm talking about believers knowing that, that it's, it's, it's not a good way to go to say, well, God is all loving and he'll forgive me and... Uh, I just want to do this, so I'm going to do it, and I, I think it'll all turn out all right. That is a bad, bad thought. It's true that God is loving. You got it partially right in, in that philosophy. 
It's true that God will love you no matter what, but it's not true that God will bless our sin. We're basically saying, God, I want to believe what I believe more than I want to believe what you've written, so I'm going to cross this boundary, and I'm going to ask you to bless it. And God says, well, I love you, but my nature is completely uh, righteous, completely holy, and I can't bless it when people willingly step across that boundary line. And what happens often is we'll step over it, we'll get hurt, and if we're smart, we know where to go back to, the safe boundaries that the Lord will speak, is, speak to us about. Now, I'm, I'm kind of being careful not to tell you uh, which sin today might be that you, you need to watch out for or obey because it's so different for all of us. The enemy knows our weaknesses, right? What, what I'm saying is wherever that is that you have this tendency to say it's okay Let the word of God ring strong and true that you'll still get hurt if you cross that boundary. That God loves you and he doesn't want to see you get hurt. And you can trust him. Matthew 7, 24 says says it this way. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 Anyone who listens, that's the right scripture. I thought I was wrong, but I was right. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds his house on a Solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. That storm got us a little bit. Storms come in life, don't they? We had a tree that split right in half and fell in our backyard yesterday, and, and we got it on video. We, uh, you know, it was awesome, and we were glad it didn't hit something that would be ruined. But we found out that there was a rotten spot right in the middle of that tree, right where it split. And I told my wife, uh, you know what? Storms reveal weaknesses, don't they? Because and then I thought, ding! You know, when it comes to this 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 sermon, that we can go our way, but sometimes trouble will come, and when the storm hits, things break. And God says, "I want you to be built on the solid rock." And the Word of God is so important for our lives, not only to read it, but to apply it and to obey it. <clears throat> I love my parents. I think they're awesome people. They're not perfect. They weren't perfect when I grew up. They're not perfect now. But one of the things they've done is to raise the value of the the Word of God in my life and let me know early on how important it would be to my life. This Bible is the first Bible that my dad ever gave me. I was 14 years old. And he wrote on the inside page here, my wish is that you will ever serve him. And I want to tell you, though I, though I made mistakes and though I've done things wrong and, and, and made wrong turns, because my dad valued this word so much, because he helped get it into my heart, every time I crossed the boundaries, I knew exactly when I was doing that. And eventually I came to a point where when I crossed him and got hurt, I remembered, wow, that's what they told me would happen. And I'd go back and eventually I said, I don't want to do that. I'm so glad that my parents raised the value of this book in my life, the Word of God. I'm so glad that they they, they caused me to respect it so much as God's love letter to me, to protect me and bless me. And I, I, I think that one of the best things you can do for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids, is to raise the value of this book in their lives. One of the ways you can do that is bring them to children's church. Pastor Josh is doing an awesome job up there. He's our new children's pastor. They're growing up there in attendance, but every week they're going over the Word of God and they're putting it in kids' lives. And if you're a grandparent 
and your kids are not going to church, I promise you, your kids would think it's cool if you just picked their, the, the grandkids up and took them away for a few hours to church. It'd be like a date to them at home. And yes, we want them coming to church, but th- those grandkids, bring them to church. God will bless it. They'll go home and witness to mom and dad. That's the way, that's the way it happens. And here's what it says in Deuteronomy 440. Again, talking about obedience and commands and not only importance for our lives, but the importance of the lives of those around you that you love. If you obey all the decrees and commands I'm giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. Wow, there it is again. I'm giving you these instructions so you enjoy a long life in the land your God is giving you for all time. And, and let me say this, for those of you who didn't have parents that led you in the correct way, for those of you that have made mistakes and those of you who say, well, it's too late, I've, I, I've already messed up and I have this stain on my life. First of all, the grace of God forgives and God doesn't bring it up against you anymore. Second of all, the grace will help you overcome as you move forward. God will help you walk in the right way. But here's the beauty of it. You, you know, I, there's a place in the Old Testament where it says that those who walk in the wrong ways, they'll be cursed for a thousand generations. And I see people emphasizing that. But right after it, I like the more positive side of it, where it says that those who follow the Lord will be blessed and for a thousand generations. And I say that for this purpose. If you didn't have godly parents, if you hadn't had that opportunity before, how cool is it that you're the one who gets it all started in your family? That you're the one because you decide to follow Jesus, because you decide to follow his truth, that from now for a thousand generations, I think Jesus will come back before then, but from here till he does, you're the one who got things on the right track and started to show people that following Jesus and following God's word is a way that will bring blessing and it will change things for you, for those around you, and for those who are coming in your family. Second thought this morning. Hit the positive side of when you follow God, you get wonderful results when you obey His Word. But I'm going to hit the negative side of it this morning. Disobeying God's Word brings terrible consequences for our lives. In this case, for these people, their, their success was contingent on it. I talked about it last week some. Be strong and courageous. I'm giving you this. Now he says, be obedient. And if, you're, if you have faith and you'll be obedient, you will win. But if they didn't, they weren't going to win. Read it in Joshua 1. Make, just take a look at it uh, later today or this week some point, and you'll see that their success was contingent on their faith and their obedience. Jeremiah 17, 5 says it really well. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in barren, the barren wilderness in an uninhabited city or rather salty land. Verse 7, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So there we see the negative side of choosing to go our own way or listen to humans who who don't value Jesus or the Word of God. And the positive side there at the second part of that passage where if we follow Him, we'll just have health everywhere. I read something that I thought was humorous this week. 
it speaks of the very first English language Bible to be printed in Ireland. Happened in 1716, and there was a colossal misprint. They accidentally inverted the N and the O in the word no and printed John 5.14 as sin on more rather than sin no more. I'm here to tell you today, I think we're walking in a culture where we have Christians saying it. Sin on more. The grace of God will cover it. I'm not saying you'll lose your salvation. I am saying you'll lose your peace at the very least. I, I, the Word of God says that trouble comes when we, when we decide that God's Word is wrong and the culture is right. Culture keeps changing. The Word of God goes on forever and is applicable in every culture. And many today in our world have interpreted God's Word to say, sin on more. But the problem with that is you'll hurt yourself and you'll hurt those you love if you do that. And see, I'm not saying that you can be sinless, but I do believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can help you sin less and less all the time. It's called a process of this big word we call sanctification, that he takes us from where we're at, we yield our hearts in obedience, and he helps us to grow and become more like him every day. Just like a child will grow in maturity to, to be a responsible adult, we continue to grow all of our lives to be more like Christ. Sometimes we stumble and fall and God meets us to, to encourage us and lift us up. He doesn't want to condemn us and take us forward. But the grace of God enables us as well. And here's what I think. I think it takes willpower for you to overcome sin. It takes your will and His power. If you don't have a will to do the right thing, then you're not going to overcome. If you don't purpose in your heart to walk His way and change the behavior then trouble comes for you and those you love. But the moment you take a step and you say, God, I see it in your word. Let's, let's take the area of pornography. I think people are justifying that in their minds today that, <clears throat> you know, it's, 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 it's not that, you know, I've heard people say, you know, God created a woman's body, it's beautiful, and I think you should look. But it, that's opposed to, I, I, think, I, I think the delight of your eyes should be your spouse, first of all. God created sex, and he's not against it, all right? He created it. But he has a, a way, a, a, a purpose for it. And the beauty of sexual intimacy is to be reserved for marriage, and it's, it's wonderful. And when we start to take a look at pornography and try to justify that in our minds, uh, we, we're forgetting scriptures like Job 31, where, where Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. We're forgetting what Jesus said, <clears throat> when, when, when he said, you know, to look lustfully is, is the same as to commit adultery. I know that's, that, that's heavy duty, but that's what Jesus said. And so we have to, here's the deal, we have to call it bad. We have to say it'll bring destruction, that it's sin. And, and so then we say we have to make sure our eyes are in the right place, we have to make sure we're accountable, and we have to say, God, I have a will, and the moment you take a step to do the right thing, and, and you're, 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 you're making sure your feet are in a good place, that you're accountable to people. The Holy, when you have a will, his power shows up to make you an overcomer. And we have to see that God wants to help us. As we think of not following God's word, bringing bad results in our lives, I want to tell you a story about uh, Donnie Moore when he gave a word of knowledge 
and also a word of prophecy, right? The Bible speaks of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians. And the Bible makes it clear that, that he disperses those gifts among us. And one of the things I love about Donnie is, is he works so wonderfully in these gifts without weirdness. And, and, and he helps us to know that God would speak into our lives today. For instance, why, why, would God, why would a word of knowledge be necessary? Well, I've seen many times where a word of knowledge would be spoken to an unbeliever about something that's gone on in their lives that nobody knows. And when it's whispered in their ear and nobody knows it and it's revealed in specifics and details, it wakes that person up to say, whoa, maybe there is a God. Whoa, maybe he does care about me. And they listen more intensely. The Bible says at one place about the gifts, will not they say the Lord is among us and fall on their faces and worship him? So the, the gifts are for today, but I, I know there's a lot of nonsense that goes on, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. These gifts are to bless us and to help us, but they're to protect us. And in one meeting that Donnie had um, with us as, as an evangelist, and I bring him um, at least once a year for, for the last 21 years, as well as Dick Foth, couldn't have two people more different than those two people, but, the, but, but I like them because they're both completely themselves, and I think you should be completely yourself and let God work through you. But Donnie gave a word to a guy at the altar once. It was a young man who was very wealthy. And it's so far removed, I don't think anyone could know it or I wouldn't risk it because I like to protect and, and let everybody know that they're safe around here. So I don't, I don't think anybody would know who this is and that's why I feel the freedom to share it. It was so long ago. <clears throat> he said to the young man, with a word of knowledge, you're in a relationship with another woman other than your wife. And I, I won't get this exact, but I'm around it. And God is saying you need to stop it or you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your money, you're going to lose your wife, and you're going to be separated from your family. Now, why would God speak that? To condemn that man? No. Why would God speak something in a word that's different, in his word, that's different than our behavior? To condemn us? No. To protect us. God wants us to have the very best in life. And I'm sad to say that that young man did not listen and when, he, when, when Donnie said that word, uh, you know, I, I was there, and I think I was the only other one who heard that. I didn't know it was true, but it turned out it was exactly true. And he didn't leave that relationship, and it did ruin his marriage, and he did lose everything. And he was separated from his family. That's not the result God wanted. But when we refuse, because those, those truths are in the Bible too, when we refuse to walk in the ways of the Lord, it brings great trouble and heartache to our lives. Matthew 7, 26, But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Well, I want to bring it around to the positive because I don't like to say too much negative, but, but, but we can be heard and God won't bless our sin. That's why ready obedience... Uh, understands how good God is and, and says, I want to follow you. And my third point this morning is this, knowing how much God loves you helps you to obey. 1 John 3 verse 1 says this, the Father has loved us so much that we are called children of God and really we are his children. How about that? God sees you as his child. You're God's child. Well, you love your kids, Right? God loves you with a perfect love, and he's a perfect father, and that's the way he sees you. He's not against you. He's for you. But sometimes we feel like God's trying to keep us from having fun. If we're not careful, 
will look at the Word of God and say, well, he's just trying to keep us from enjoying life. Not true at all. So I've told some of these stories, and I won't tell them in detail. I'm just going to lump them all together today. I think I've had over 300 stitches in my head. And um, over 100 of those stitches happened in five accidents before I was eight years old. And four out of the five accidents were a direct result of not obeying my parents. They would tell me not to do something, and I don't know why I would do the thing they told me not to do, but there was an incident with the horse where I had a bunch of stitches. And some of you have heard that story. There was an incident with the bike where I rode down a hill and they said, don't, the chain will come off. That sounds so ridiculous to me. The chain came off and I had 12 stitches there. When they asked me not to ride it down that hill, there was an incident where I was barefoot twice, once in a park when they told me not to be. I stepped on glass. Another time I was running on a roof barefoot and stuck my, my foot, the top of my foot, into corrugated metal, rusty metal. When I'd just been told not to be up there, and Dad drives away, and bam, I'm up there. My brother said, what are you doing? I said, I'm running, and I'm free. Ah! And sometimes you think you're running, and you're free. You think God will love me, and, but here's the deal. God will love you. He does love you. But you're going to get hurt if you get outside the boundaries. And he, here, here's the deal. There came a point in my life, in my young adolescence, where I finally got this thought. Huh. When I do what my dad and my mom tell me not to do, I get hurt. And then I had this thought that followed. I think they might be trying to help me. I think maybe they love me. And they're trying to keep me from getting hurt. I think I'm going to listen to them more. God has given us his word. Not to harm us. To protect us. Not to rip us off. You're not losing out on fun. You're losing out on effect. Isaiah 48, 18. You see the heart of God because he, listen church, he only wants to bless you. If you could see his heart for you, he only wants to protect you. You see it in Isaiah 48.18, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Now, I don't want to give the impression that because there are hard things in your life that it was your sin. Because all of us know, if you've been around long, sometimes we have hard things in our lives because of someone else's sin, right? And, and so, but here's the deal. You know, I, I, I heard about the guy who was cutting a hole. There were several people in a boat, and he was cutting a hole in the bottom of the boat, and everybody else said, hey, 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 stop, stop. What are you doing? He goes, why do you guys care? I'm doing this only under my seat. Well, the bottom line is people say, this is my life. I can do what I want. Really? Well, here's the deal. There's some people in the boat with you. And, 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 and we go down and we take them with us, and we hurt others. When one spouse wants to stay married and wants us to be righteous and wants to do it right, and another walks away, it brings great pain. And so we have things that aren't our fault, but the point today is that when we willfully sin, when we cross those boundaries on purpose, we're not blessed, and God says, oh, I, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to be blessed. I don't see this shown any better in the Scriptures than the story of the prodigal son. He was with the father in the, in the father's house. 
He was loved. And he wanted his inheritance. And the father gave it to him. Because God won't violate your will. You know that? He just won't. He'll let you do what you want to do. You get to choose what you do. And that's why choosing obedience is so important. Important. The prodigal took his inheritance and he went to the city. And the Bible says that he spent it on wild living. He lost everything. He was eventually feeding the pigs and, and wanting to eat the food that he was throwing to the pigs because he was so destitute. And he had this thought, perhaps I'll go back to my father and he'll still, he'll still let me come home and maybe he'll just let me work in the bunkhouse. Maybe I could just be a worker on the farm and, and I could be in the bunkhouse. Maybe he would give me that. So he goes home feeling terrible about his sin, feeling like he willingly walked away. Wondering what would happen. And oh, the picture of God's love. And that's this third point now. You need to know how much he loves you. Here's what it says in Luke 15, 20 about the prodigal. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That father is, is the foreshadowing. It's an allegory, and, and the father in the story is God. And how does he feel about us when we sin? How does he feel about us when we make mistakes? He doesn't condemn. He doesn't shake his finger. He's not saying, I'm going to make you pay. That's not his will. He longs for you to come under his covering, and you can move out from that if you wish, but he's always hoping that you'll come home to him. He's there to welcome you, to welcome all with open arms. The grace of God forgives. The grace of God will help you. And his church, listen, God's church should look like this. We don't condemn people who've made mistakes. We don't condemn people who've walked with Jesus for a long time and made mistakes. We're there. Yes, we'll give grace and truth, but we're there to love. We're there to embrace. We're there to help them overcome. We're not there to condemn because God doesn't condemn. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, the Bible tells us. Show us the path to come on, but the, but, but the God of heaven and his children, when they look like him, when they look like Jesus Christ, they're loving and they walk with people to help them overcome. So many people have made mistakes and, and, and they're not sure God will forgive them, but they're pretty sure that the church won't. And so they don't come back. Well, I want this house to be full of the grace of God. I believe Jesus wants his house to be a house where his love is shown to people who've made mistakes. And the heart of God is to be filled with love and compassion for those who've made mistakes. And isn't it awesome to be the child of a father like that? That he's going to embrace us no matter the mistakes we made when we come home. At the close of his life, Joshua could remind the leaders of Israel of, of this. We're going to jump from the front of the book all the way to the back. We're going to do a few sermons in between, but I just want to go to the end because we're talking about obedience for a moment. Joshua's about to die, and he says, As soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. His instruction in his word, his promises, they come true. If we follow, we will see the results of blessing in our lives. I'm not saying that there won't be battles. I'm not saying that there won't be hard times. I'm saying that when you trust him through all this and walk with him, you see victory. Every promise of the Lord has come true, he says. Not a single one has failed. That'll be true for our lives too as we follow God.